0: When Abram fled to Egypt in order to avoid the famine that had plagued the land, we learned in the last episode that he encountered Pharaoh, which ultimately led to Pharaoh taking a liking to Abram's wife, Sarai, and later earning a plague put upon him by God for such lust. Outraged and sickened by Abram's tactics and probably in fear of Abram's God, now that he was in much suffering, Pharaoh orders his men to escort Abram and Sarai out of Egypt. We know that having pretended to be Sarai's brother Abram was able to obtain many resources from Pharaoh, from cattle, food, and even slaves, and so he was leaving the land a much richer man than he was when he first arrived. The Bible tells us that after leaving Egypt and entering the land of Negev, Abram was very wealthy in gold, silver, and livestock. We are also told that when he and Sarai left Egypt, his nephew Lot accompanied them. From Negev, they moved to Bethel, and moved in between the areas until settling upon an altar of the Lord, which Abram had previously erected. The Bible tells us here that tensions were rising between Abram's men and Lot's men, and whilst the tension is never elaborated on, we can gather that this was to do with living conditions and disagreements between both groups, as to who was settling where. It's likely that there were heated debates as to who had the better land, and who had the rights to claim the land in the first place. Disputes between both groups may have also spread to the rights of who was allowed to keep what from Egypt, and who was allowed to keep what from the land in between. The bible tells us, The land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. There's also an idea here that Abram and Lot had so much in abundance that there simply was not enough space for a community to grow between them, and so, A split was necessary. In any case the Bible states that the two groups were incompatible and split up they did. As Abram tells Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So here we learn that Abram is able to be the bigger man in this scenario and that despite loving Lot, he's not afraid to make the hard choice of splitting up in order to ensure both of their own survival. In this instance, Abram is able to find a pragmatic solution to this dilemma, and you might argue that this was also the case in Egypt when he pretended to be Sarai's brother so that he might live. Pragmatic, yes, but also a very hard choice to make. Abram therefore isn't afraid of making hard choices though it can be argued that his hard choices do put others in harm's way, also that he may go unscathed. Lot chooses to take the plain of Jordan towards Zoar as his settlement, considering that it was well watered and seemed to be the more rewarding choice when compared to the choice that Abram was left with. The Bible compares the plain of Jordan to the garden of the Lord, and so it is a no-brainer as to why Lot makes this his home. Abram, on the other hand, is stuck with the cities near Sodom, a place the Bible tells us was full of wickedness, and those who were sinning against the Lord. Now you might say that Abram drew the short straw in terms of his location, but it's likely that Abram, given his faith, did not mind much, for he knew that no matter how comfortable Lot would be on the plains of Jordan, the Lord would provide him with far greater comfort. It is in faith that Abram finds his own comfort, not the physical conditions of his environment, nor the unruly and ungodly ways of his sodomite neighbours. We learn that the Lord actually speaks to Abram once Lot departs from him, and he tells Abram, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Here we get confirmation in the Bible that Abram truly is a favourite of God. God rewards Abram for his loyalty and his devotion, telling him that even though Lot has the better land, the whole land, whether it be from the north, the south, the east or the west, will all be given to Abram and his offspring regardless. So whilst Lot may have what you might say is the high ground at the moment, Abram and his descendants are the true heirs and will reclaim that which is theirs. This would have likely eased Abram's mind and reassured him that putting his faith in God was the right choice and so he goes on to build yet another altar in the name of God near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron. We then learn that various kings of the land decide to go to war against each other. The Bible gives us a brief history of the kings and their allegiances, telling us that for 12 years these kings had been subject to the king of Elam, but in the 13th year they rebelled. In the 14th year, the kings who had sided with the king of Elam went on a mad campaign through the desert, and ended up conquering many territories, including that of the Amalekites and the Amorites. The Bible tells us that the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, or Zoa, those who had rebelled against the king of Elam, marched out and drew their battle lines in the valley of Sidim. The terrain for the upcoming battle, however, was not a great one and the Bible tells us it was full of tar pits and that some of the men fell into them. Those that did not fled for the hills. This enabled the king of Elam and those who had sided with him to run amok of the lands before them. They were able to pillage the lands of Sodom and Gomorrah and proceeded to steal all of their food and resources before leaving. Upon there, they also seized an unsuspecting Lot and took away all of his possessions. Lot became a prisoner of the tyrannical kings and it would appear that he was powerless to do anything about it. The resistance put up by both Sodom and Gomorrah was futile and the kings there could do nothing to stop the conquest of the king of Elam, nor stop his forces from taking many as prisoners. The Bible tells us though, that there was one man who was able to escape and that he reported all that had taken place to none other than Abram. When Abram learns that Lot has been taken captive, he does not hesitate to spring into action. The Bible tells us that he would summon 318 trained men that were born within his community and that together, they went in pursuit of the king of Elam. Evidently, we see another side to Abram in his need to save his nephew, a courageous side, one that needs no deliberation nor consultation to be ignited. You'll notice that Abram does not even pray to God, nor seek advice from his God on what to do next, he simply just acts. You might say that Abram knew in the back of his mind that God would not desert him and knew that God would ensure his victory in this course. Bear in mind the course is a noble one, as Abram seeks only to rescue Lot, an innocent man and one dear to him, therefore it is more likely that God would lend his assistance and so Abram's decisiveness comes as hardly a surprise. The bible continues that Abram proceeded to plan carefully by dividing his men and strategically placing them to root and pursue the men of the kings as far as the north of Damascus. We are told that along the way, Abram was able to recover all the goods that were stolen and that he was able to save Lot, his possessions and everyone else who'd been taken. Whether or not Abram was directly involved in the fighting is unknown, as the bible does not specify. However, it's likely he did not shy away from the conflict, having been the one to organise the assault in the first place, and probably considered himself to be protected by God anyway and so, fought with a certain bravery and zeal that the enemy did not possess. This shows even more development for Abram, who is not only able to organise a large scale resistance, even showing more aptitude for such an endeavour than the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, but also able to recover the losses of his people. In this, you might say that Abram is an instrument used by God to restore balance and justice, Yet another virtue that is placed upon Abram is his love for his nephew Lot in that he's willing to risk his own life to save him when he could have just as easily looked away. Remember, there was tension between Abram and Lot and so it wouldn't have been completely inconceivable for Abram to merely shrug his shoulders and leave Lot to his fate. But given their relationship as uncle and nephew, it's more expected that Abram would act selflessly and be more in the mind to save him given that he may very well have felt responsible for him. We later learn that Abram and his forces went on to defeat the king of Elam and his forces, and all the kings who had allied with him were also brought to heel. Remarkably, Abram's 318 men were triumphant, likely because they had the strength of God on their side. With this, the king of Sodom comes to meet Abram in the valley, bringing gratitude and blessings. This is followed by the king of Salem, who brings Abram bread and wine out of appreciation for his involvement in the conflict, and for delivering them safely from the conquests of the tyrannical kings. The King of Salem seeks to bless Abram given that he was also a priest of God. Given his position as priest, Abram proceeds to give him a tenth of everything that he had secured from the battle, in honour of God. Perhaps this was Abram's way of giving back to God, for having seen him safely through the battle, and for seeing his side triumphant. The King of Sodom then attempts to make a deal with Abram, requesting that he keep the goods for himself, but that he hand over the people. But Abram declines his offer, saying, With raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Anna, Eshkel, and Mamre, Let them have their share. Here, Abram essentially tells the king of Sodom that he won't be making any deals with him because he already has made a deal with God. He declares that he has already sworn that he will receive nothing that belongs to the king of Sodom, for the king will likely say one day that he made Abram based on his donations. In this, the Bible seeks to warn believers of accepting aid from unscrupulous sources and that one should be aware of who he allows to support him but not all support is wholesome. In this case, Abram highlights that there are those who are not as helpful as they seem and that their generosity might actually be more insidious. There are those who will only help you to say, they made you, and that they might very well attempt to guilt you into thinking that you are in their debt. Abram seeks to sidestep this reality by declining the king's offers and seeks only to accept that which his men have eaten and a portion of wealth for the men who stood with him Another thing to note is the audacity of the king of Sodom, who tells Abram to keep the spoils of war, spoils which by virtue of saving Lot and defeating the kings, Abram already has right to anyway. Abram also denies this offer from the king of Sodom, because it's likely that Abram believed his god would provide him with everything he needed, and therefore, he did not need to take anything from anyone at this point in his life. The Battle of Sidim, or the Battle of the Nine Kings as it is sometimes referred to as, has proven difficult for scholars to dissect. Most commentators agree that the tale is somewhat disjointed with other historical accounts, and that the story itself doesn't really add anything other than to show Abram as a courageous leader. Many of the names of the kings in this chapter of the bible are also unverified by historians, and the time of which the battle was said to have taken place is also difficult to determine. Some scholars argue that the battle itself was a story added into Abram's legacy afterwards, or that it was once a part of a separate tradition before being amalgamated into his role in the Bible. Evidently, the authors of the Bible believe that this battle was significant enough to Abram's life and the grander scheme of things that it needed to be included. I suppose in a way, it does validate God's promises and shows us that when God gives his followers his word, in this case, by telling Abram the land will be his, he will always stay true to it. It shows us that even if several kings have conquered a land, if God had already promised it to someone else, he can and will see it ripped away from said kings and given to whoever he pleases. By this, you might say that there are no forces on earth, kings or not, who are strong enough or powerful enough to deny God's will. At the very least, we do get to see Abram in a far greater light than what we've seen him in before. He makes a decisive choice between the worldly benefits offered to him by the king of Sodom and the divine blessings offered to him by the king of Salem. It furthermore implies Abram's wisdom and that he actually has no need of these possessions that he'd come to accumulate, but only needs the grace and love of his god. Amongst this, the battle of Siddim paints Abram far more heroically, for he is no longer a nomad clutching to life in the desert, but instead a tribal chieftain who does not shy away from warfare in the honour and safety of his friends and family. Let me know what you thought about today's video and as always, don't forget to give this video a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe for more content like this. Until next time.